Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lessing Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, but mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and joining me, we have another uh, timey-wimey episode where we go across time zones, and I'm talking to my new friend, Ian, today. Where are you calling from, Ian? I'm in Birmingham in England. Good to talk to you today, Jesse. Well, I am so glad you did. Um, were willing to sit down and talk to me. Um, it's always fun to make a new friend. Uh, Ian, tell us a little about yourself. Okay, well, um, my name is Ian Braisby. As I say, I'm from England. I live in the city of Birmingham, although uh, I grew up in a, a mining town close to the city of Nottingham, so a little bit of a sort of small town upbringing. Um, I, in a couple of days, will turn 46. Uh, I was released into the world about uh, three weeks before Bruce's debut album. Um, I don't know. I'll leave it to others to decide which of us has weathered those years better, me or greetings. I don't know. Um, yeah, I I live here in Birmingham. Um, I'm, I work for myself. I'm a tour guide and German to English translator. Uh, and I live here with my wife, who's a, a teacher. Her name's Sally Jane. Yeah, um, I noticed on your Twitter that you um, say off to do another ghost walk. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, as I say, I'm a tour guide and uh, I do all kinds of different uh, tours from quite serious history tours. And uh, one of the things myself and a, and a friend and colleague do here in Birmingham and the surrounding area is ghost tours. Uh, very popular in, in England um, where you've got a lot of sort of history and uh, you know, it's all about uh, telling stories about the uh, places that are reputed to be haunted and, and the stories that go with them. So we talk about murders and executions and, uh, you know, all kinds of uh, bizarre and, and pretty gruesome stuff. Um, and it's uh, it's something we, we enjoy doing very much and, and people love to come on the tours. I, I imagine. I bet they would be wonderful. Um, I loved your comment that, um, you know, Halloween is you. Kind of the around Halloween is your kind of sweet spot in those kind of tours, and that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. October is kind of uh, yeah. Don't plan much for the evenings because I know I'm pretty much going to be out most uh, most evenings doing some kind of uh, ghost related walk around the area. Yeah, that's that's very cool. So, yeah. uh, why did you decide to start doing that? These tours. Uh, well, I. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I became a guide. It was a direction I wanted to go in job-wise. And um, ghost walks are something I'd kind of been on a few times, and uh, it was kind of a, a gap in the market. The person who used to do them here in our city had actually passed away a few years before. So there wasn't really anybody running them, and, and we just kind of said, well, let's give it a go and, uh, you know, see if these things can take off. And, and that was uh, getting on 10 years ago now, so... So yeah, we do the ghost walks, and uh, so yeah, often walking around the city in a in a top hat and a long black coat with kind of an old Victorian cane, and uh, you know this kind of thing. Oh, that's got to be great! So, oh, so that's yeah, wonderful. Good. All right, but I know at this point my listeners are saying, "Hey, where's the Bruce connection?" Um, but you know that's <laughs> what you get when you do a podcast with me. Uh, Absolutely. I, I get, I get off on tangents. But, Ian, tell us about growing up. What kind of music did your family listen to? 
Well, having heard some of your previous uh, talks to people from the UK, I'm sure that it'll be no surprise to hear me tell you that my mum loved Cliff Richard. Um, yes. I think anybody of around my age, it's kind of, yeah, your mum loved Cliff too. Yeah. And um, in fact, I probably owe my existence to Cliff Richard. My mum told me many times the only reason she agreed to go on a date with my father was because he was taking her to see a Cliff Richard movie. So... Uh, Oh, that's wonderful. So, uh, yeah, I guess I I have my mum's uh, old autograph book that uh, I kind of, one of the things I, I took as a kind of a memento after she passed away. And uh, there's various Cliff Richard autographs in there. And I know my dad used to say, yeah, we, we had to hang around by the stage door. So, <laughs> um, yeah, she was, she loved Cliff Richard, but they both loved a lot of music, really. You know, it was obviously from their generation. It was a lot of 60s music, um, although my dad's real favorite was Buddy Holly. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, when he was younger, he kind of resembled Buddy Holly a little bit. I think for my dad, who was kind of dark haired, glasses, looking a little bit geeky, to have Buddy Holly come along and be a, a, a star would have been quite a, quite a thing, you know, somebody who looked like him. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I grew up with all those influences. Yeah, I... I'm a big Buddy Holly fan myself. I, I just love, yeah, yeah. Um, I love his music. Cliff Richards, as we talked about when Terry and I was on, and he shared that uh, Terry Smith, um, and let me throw soon to be his own podcast, Tea Time for Terry. Um, you know, he shared at the time that um, how big of a star he was in the UK, and it's not something that. Uh, we are as aware as much. So that's kind of interesting, the differences, because musically I always think that most of us, um, the U.S. and the U.K., are very, very close. You know, what's on one chart, what's on yeah. the other. But sometimes it's not at all. No. Uh, how about no, I think you, you do get these anomalies, yeah. Yeah, how about once you got um, older into high school, what were you um, – what kind of music did you listen to? What became your music? Well, I think um, it's quite a mixture because I, I loved the, my parents' music. I still love 60s music. Um, you know, the Beach Boys, the Beatles. I absolutely love the Beatles and um, Credence and um, the Kinks and these kind of things. Um, but, you know, I, I think like all kids, I liked chart music, which when I was a, quite a young kid was the early 80s. So there was a lot of electronic, new romantic that kind of era. Um, but I also got into rock music at quite a young age. A friend of mine, when I was about nine, ten years old, his two big brothers were heavily into rock music and metal. So they used to be copying sort of as their ACDC and Iron Maiden records. So I was kind of into so that stuff from when I was kind of nine, ten years old, which was a little bit, I guess, unusual. But um, I think the first bands that I can really remember liking and kind of delving into their back catalogue beyond what was the hits was uh, In Excess and uh, Bon Jovi. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, as we get in towards sort of the time, sort of 85, 86, that kind of, those kind of years. So, yeah, and, and obviously from Bon Jovi, that kind of, I started to hear a lot more about New Jersey and about Bruce and these kind of things. What, um... That segues in way perfect. It's almost like you're a professional. Uh, how did you find <laughs> Bruce? Well, you know, you can't, you couldn't be aware of Bruce in the mid 80s. 
um, with the Born in the USA album and all the hits and, you know, he's on music TV and these kind of things. Um, and then, and so I was aware of it. I think I probably even had a, a taped copy of the Born in the USA album from my uncle um, who, who quite liked Bruce's music. Um, but it was then the hits. But the, the real thing that got me into Bruce was um, on the 3rd of July, 88, on the Tunnel of Love tour, there was a, a live broadcast of the first half of the show from Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, and I think it was sent out even live back in the States and certainly all over Europe. Uh, and it was on one of the main music channels on the BBC. So my friend and I said, oh, we, we've heard so much about this guy. We know a few of his songs. Let's let's check this out. And we listened to this first half of the show and we were blown away. And, uh, you know, so it really came from there. The next school break we had, myself and this friend, we kind of pulled together our savings and we split, divided up Bruce's back catalogue and went down the record shops and between us, we, we bought up a load of his tapes and albums, whatever we could get. Oh, I love the idea of that, that, um, okay, you know, you do this one, I'll do that one, um, yep. and we'll, we'll take care of it that way. Uh, that's wonderful. Uh, so, what about his music kind of spoke to you? I think it was, I was just at that right time to listen to, had a little bit more depth to it, I guess, beyond sure. chart music and, uh, and you know, kind of fairly throwaway sort of light rock music. Um, so I think it, the first thing I think, because I heard that live sound was the, the power of the band and the arrangements. Um, and as soon as I started to listen to it, I got a little so much into the lyrics because I've always been a a words person, um, you know, as well as a music person. So it was uh, it was Bruce's lyrics that just made you feel something. They they told you something and drew you in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it was the for me as well. What's always been with Bruce, it's the, the it's the passion of his performance and the the integrity that you can hear coming through in his performance, I guess. Uh, yeah, I think that's well said. Um, everything he does, um, you know, it, it with so much uh, passion and and uh, the he shares so many stories and of himself. Um, very nice, very good. Um, when um, I always like to preface this that. Um, see, the amount of times you've seen Bruce is not a very good barometer of what, how big of a fan you are. But just for the record, um, have you seen him live and how many times? Yes, uh, I've seen Bruce live uh, 14 times. Um, uh, the f- that's 13 uh, E Street Band and one Sega Sessions show. Oh, nice. Um, and yeah, my, my, my live experience didn't begin till much after I got into his music you know I was a kid I was a student uh, Bruce had a pretty quiet time in the 90s so um, it was only the rising door where I was able to actually you know to get out and uh, and see the, the stuff live so my first show was on the, the first leg of the rising tour and that was actually in Paris which was uh, quite a, kind of strange so Ian I you probably know this but my first live show was the rising tour when it was here in dallas um same thing with you just 
I'm I'm a little bit older than you, but the same thing. Um, he he wasn't touring, you know, during the dark years mm-hmm. with the other band, and then, um, you know, I was raising um, my son, and family duties. Just it was 2002 was the first chance I had to see him, and I've been playing catch up ever since. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I guess we're, we're the same there. Yeah. So Ian, you mentioned in your um, when we exchanged a few notes that um, I usually at this point ask about special songs and albums, but you have a special story about Bruce's music and how it's helped you, don't you? Yeah, very much so. Um, it's something I think that I think a lot, a lot of people are very aware of uh, because of things Bruce has said recently in interviews and, uh, you know, things he he's talked about in his book and i think some of the the on stage stuff that he's been increasingly doing much more honest and and that's his own history with uh, with mental health issues and uh, these kinds of things and and i've got kind of a a, a particular take on that because uh, a few years ago long after i'd been uh, watching bruce live um i was actually diagnosed as um, having autism um having sort of struggled with various mental health things for many years myself um this diagnosis came along and we, we kind of realized that that would, would, was very much an explanation and so you know the last five years i've very much been thinking back of, as to um well, how did i get to this point in my life how have i dealt with this um you know and, realize and, uh, one I'm, of the I'm big sorry, things Ian, was I'm music gonna, i'm sorry i'm going to interrupt you it's okay um so i I am a um, – one of the things I, I'm a big fan of is Penn Sunday School's um, podcast they do every week. And um, his producer talks about the spectrum, and I guess yeah. Judo's son is spectrum too. So can for those of us who are not knowledgeable, can you explain a little bit about when you say you're autistic, one of my best friends – has a son that is very autistic. Um, yeah. And so you want to share a little bit about that with us? Yeah, of course. Um, it is a spectrum, as you say, and that's why when you say someone's very autistic, I think people would tend to have in their head kind of um, maybe people not being verbally communicative and having very strong physical um, reactions and uh, and, and these kinds of issues. So that would be kind of one end of the spectrum. And it goes all the way through to to people who are able to kind of work and to get an education, to, to get married or have a family, these to live independently. Um, and that's often the people who don't never got diagnosed when they were kids. They, they get diagnosed later in life. But you, people still have some of the same issues in, in various ways around um, communication and building relationships and understanding the world around them. Um, and so you, you have to kind of um, find a way to to get through that, to cope with it. And people people do that in various ways. And, you know, one of the ways people do it is by losing themselves in particular interests, passions that they have. And for me, one of those has always been music and I've kind of looked and thought a lot, reflected a lot on how music and Bruce's music in particular 
has kind of got me through those years and and helped something things smooth over a little, little bit. Uh, tell me a little bit more about that. Well, I think um, one of the first things to say about about music, and it's true of I've got a couple of other things I'm really passionate about, and it's true of those as well. But um, one of the the things that it's quite hard to explain about autism is you're constantly being bombarded with with sensory input into your brain, and most people are able to deal with that pretty easily and filter out what the what's not relevant. And but if you if you have that particular brain makeup that uh, puts you on the spectrum, you're not. And so one of the things that music can do for me is to it's one of the few things where I can completely lose myself in it. And so instead of this constant, my brain racing, trying to process all this sensory stuff and all the, whatever's going on in there, you're just completely engrossed and 100% wrapped up in, in what you're doing and listening to this music. Uh, and that's a, a really precious thing because you don't get that in, in as you're going about your business day to day always. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, are you, does it, were there a lot of, and, and I don't want to get too personal and we'll edit this out if I am getting too personal, but do you have an example of something where you went, ah, that explains so much um, once you were diagnosed? Um, I think there were a lot of things. I mean, I was originally, we, we looked at a diagnosis because my, my wife was doing some extra training for her work as a teacher for working with kids mm-hmm. with special needs. And uh, she watched a, a video on, online about this guy talking about autism. And she said, she kind of said to me, you've got to watch this because it's you. And, and so we, so um, I think a lot of the way that I, I struggled to, I mean, I worked for myself. I struggled very much in a, in a normal working environment to to um, work as part of a a team with people sometimes, and I was a little bit too uh, outspoken. I couldn't play the the political game very well in an in an environment like that because I was a little bit too honest, a little bit too uh, frank with my views sometimes. And, mm-hmm. and so um, at the time, you know, you just kind of think, well, okay, I don't really know why I'm like that. But um, then you start to think okay that explains why these difficulties came along and and these kind of things and and why so i struggle sometimes in social situations with things like making small talk and and these kind of things and um you know that's one of the areas where things like having an interest like a passion about a particular music artist is so good because if i go to a springsteen concert or anything to do with Springsteen, then you know, then I straight away you've got that common ground with someone, and you don't need to worry about small talk and what am I going to talk about? How's the conversation going to go? What are they going to want to talk to me about? I don't know. That maybe makes sense. Um, no, it totally does. And and everybody, uh, because it, um. All of us, to a little bit, um, are passionate slash obsessed with Bruce and his music. Um, Absolutely. I think um, depending on where you are, um, that 
whether it's passionate or, um, you know, obsession. Um, for example, my wife really, really doesn't get this at times. And uh, what was <laughs> funny is my son, who does love Bruce, um, but and my future daughter-in-law went to Linda and said, hey, what does dad want for Christmas? And is there something besides some an item from Doctor Who or Bruce Springsteen we can get him? Because that's what we always get him. <laughs> and so the first thing I told Linda when she told me that is, but but that's what I love. And the second thing is, <laughs> yes, I, I went to Amazon and because my Amazon wish list already had um, the 13th Doctor Screwdriver. A um a Funko doll, you know, daughter, and the Bruce Springsteen calendar for 2019. So I added five or six other things that had nothing to do with Doctor Who. Um, instead, was about Star Trek and other, you know, things. Um, and so, but we, I don't think that's weird. It, it's what I love. No. And um, yeah. So I I totally get that that. Um, it it's safe. Um, majority of people that I've met, yeah. both in person and online, have been just lovely people. Um, every once in a while, you get someone, and it's very rare that is online that's a little bit of a troll. But most people are just really, really sweet, lovely people that are passionate about Bruce's music, and that's nice. Absolutely, and I think that. That community that there is among the fans, I think, is is something very, very special that that we that we all share. Um, you know, it's something I love, and um, so yeah, that's been a quite a real big benefit to me. To as someone who finds it difficult to to fit into groups, to to be involved in things where I'm, I'm passionate about it, I can speak about it without having to plan the conversation in my head beforehand and think about what might come up and what am I going to say. And, and this kind of thing, um, you know. But um, the other thing that I, I think that that music and that does for me is in terms of emotional things, um, and it's a little bit more, not everyone who has autism would kind of agree with this, but, but I very much believe that because people who are autistic struggle to um, know exactly what emotions how emotions feel, to understand them and to express them, um, it doesn't come instinctively or intuitively to us. And I believe very strongly that there are ways you can learn and ways you can mimic. Uh, and some people do it from watching people around them. But I do it from music, from books, from films. And so a lot of things I've learned about how, what do people do? How do people behave? How would people behave in that situation? Um, to give me an idea of it, if it ever comes up in life, is is something I've got from music and films and so on. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, is there, uh, you know, I am by nature an optimist. I am always a glass half full kind of guy. Um, mm -hmm. I always, my... <clears throat> My wife has made the joke only slightly joking that um, 
the first few years we were married, she thought I was too dumb to be worried. She's like, why is it he worried? Maybe he just doesn't realize how bad things are. And then quickly she learned that I just didn't waste a lot of energy. Um, I just figured out what was going to be the next step. And so when I'm worried, she's like, oh, man, it must be bad. Um, so Better Days is a song that – uh, speaks to me on a very personal level. Um, same thing, Land of Hope and Dreams. Both of these are songs about hope to me and that yep. uh, no matter where you are, you can move forward and, and make your life better and enjoy the journey. So any songs yeah. that mean a lot to you, maybe just as a husband or a friend or with the autism. Um, well, I think one of the things um, in terms of the autism, I think obviously Bruce writes a lot of songs about outsiders, about misfits, about people yes. who are struggling to find a place in a community. So some of those are always songs I've gravitated towards a little bit. I remember um, when I was about 19, I bought a, a bootleg tape of a lot of a lot of the stuff that ended up on tracks, the unreleased stuff. And I heard the song, um, on the, I'm on the outside looking in for the first time. And I, it, I was kind of like, yes, that, that's my life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, songs like that, it, I don't think it's one of Bruce Grady's songs, but those, those that line is kind of, that lyric particularly. But, you know, so some of the outsider songs, things like uh, maybe songs that are probably quite underrated are, are for me, things like uh, Cautious Man. Uh, and I think uh, I love uh, Stolen Car, particularly the, the version that is on the, the outtakes version, not the version that so much was on the river. Mm -hmm. um, but but there's a lot of sort of songs that Better Days for me has always been one I've loved. That that it would be on my list of ones that I've never seen Bruce play live that I would absolutely love to see played live. Uh, yeah, on my list too. Totally agree. Um, yeah. yeah. The um, Any others? Yeah, I mean, if people were to generally ask me um, what are my favorite Springsteen songs, I guess I'm pretty conventional. You know, um, I like some of the older classics. Born to Run is has been probably my favorite song since, since I was a teenager, you know. Um, and it's a song that I always kind of – it's a familiar thing. Every time I've moved into a new place, a student room, a new house, the first thing I've done is play Born to Run because that kind of – puts my mark on the place in some way. Um, so, you know, I love Born I love to Run, that. I Land and Promised Land. You know, one of the things that um, we do um, when we go, um, my son went to a Catholic school, St. Monica's, and then he went to college at Stephen F. Austin. And so whenever we'll... Um, we will drive by St. Monica's. Um, I put on glory days and same thing when we're going <laughs> to Stephen F. Austin, you know, we'll, we'll play glory days kind of just as a, you know, almost tongue in cheek. Cause you know, you start talking about, Oh, remember this and remember that. And, uh, it just, yeah, the course. song fits <laughs> perfectly. Yeah. Uh, very That's cool. Great. Um, so, you already mentioned Better Days as a song that 
you would love to hear live. Um, what else? Mm-hmm. What else would I love to hear live? Well, one of the other ones I'd love to hear live is Roulette. Okay. Which I think is a, is a great song. Uh, and that was one when we f- first heard that concept back in 88. It was a song that was in the set that night that we, we thought, oh, that's a great song. And then as we started to buy up the back catalogue, we were kind of, yeah, any album now, we're going to find that one. And of course, <laughs> we never did. <laughs> so uh, that would be one I would absolutely love to see live. Um, my other kind of dream, um, it's a long, long time since Bruce has played in in Birmingham. Um Certainly, um, the only time I've ever seen him in Birmingham was on the Sega Sessions tour. Um, mm-hmm. But I would love to see him play my hometown in my hometown. Oh, yeah, that um, would be lovely. Because I just think that would be so, um, so great. Um, I think the only time I've ever seen him play it was in the, the furthest show I've been to from where I actually live. So, but um, I think that would be something pretty special to, to see. Good. Oh, very cool. Uh, yeah, that would be uh, really nice. Um, so it's time for the Mary question. Okay. So for those of you who this is your first episode, welcome. But um, we'll explain the Mary question just in case. Um, Jay Ferguson has been on the show. He is an honors English teacher, and he does a um, chapter in his teaching where they cover Thunder Road as a poem. Um, One of the things they do is Robert Frost, the roadless travel, uh, they compare it to that. And they go over all the imagery in the song, and they talk about it. And at the very end, the question he asks the students is, does Mary get in the car? So that's my question to you, Ian. What's your thoughts on Mary and getting in the car. Well, oh, I think uh, I think it, a lot of people would say as well. It, it changes over time. I think when I first heard Thunder Road, uh, you know, I was kind of um, that age where I was thinking very much about, yeah, how do I get out of this small town? Maybe you broaden my horizons a little bit, and so that kind of feeling of, of the song. But but actually, you know, I I don't know. I, I would have said. Back then, yeah, I don't know. Now, I think no, I don't think she got in the got, got in the car. And I know you've talked about being a glass half full guy, um, but for me, I don't know. I I just um, for me, from a poetic point of view, if we if you're looking at it that way, is he is offering her a way out. He's offering her the chance to get in the car and go with him. But I think all those other boys she sent away, they probably offered her pretty much the same thing. And she sent them all away. Uh, and, um, you know, is he really offering her anything else that nobody else could? Oh, probably not. So, you know, I think despite all his all his uh, declarations, he's going to be one more in the line of all those boys she sent away. What do you think she's waiting for? I don't know. Um probably something that she's never going to find i think so too i think with that i mean and of course my wife would be quick to tell you someone who says um thinks she is a beauty perhaps uh that's why linda doesn't like that (laughs) song she hates that line (laughs) um yeah i like that i like that answer a lot that's that's very well done um ian final thoughts anything else you want to share 
No, I think it's just to say it's been absolutely great to um, to talk to you. It's probably something uh, some of the stuff we've talked about is a little bit different probably to what some of your guests have talked about. But I'd like to thank you so much for being happy to talk about that on, on the podcast. And it's always great to, to chat to chat to someone who you chatted to online and, to, of course, to talk about Bruce's music and to yeah, just keep uh, uh, doing something that we can keep doing until Bruce is on the road again. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you mentioned this earlier, and I forgot to follow up. Um, I agree. It appears, and maybe it's because I'm biased, but the Bruce's fandom – overall seems to be very passionate not just about him and his music but about supporting each other uh, i don't know if that's a big exception but it feels like different than a lot of other um fandoms have what do you think yeah i would agree i, I think people i know who are into kind of other bands in a big way they they chat to other people about music and about the shows but i think yeah i think with bruce's fans it does go a little bit more and certain people i've met there's re it really is just you feel like you're among friends you feel like people you can talk to about other things um, maybe that's because there's a little bit more depth and um idea of community within bruce's music within everything that he does uh, maybe that then filters through to the people who get into that stuff i, I guess yeah, I think so. I think well said. Well said, sir. All right. So if uh, someone wants to reach you, uh, are you on Twitter? I am. It's raisby at Twitter. That's Ian. And then my surname is B-R-A-I-S-B-Y. So that's my uh, Twitter account. Um, I do write a blog, but I, I generally uh, not very much. I need to start blog a little bit more and i write about all kinds of things on there not just music um and i always post the links what's on, the on twitter uh, anyway do you, so do you, do you have the link handy uh it's so it's a wordpress slash ian brasby i think is the is the just, okay. it, just it doesn't have its own all right I will, URL. Um, i'll dig it up and put it on the um um link on the show uh good great um Hang on while I do a little business. Um, if you want to be on the show and share your Springsteen story, I would love to have you. I am always looking for guests. Uh, you can reach me a couple ways at um, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. I am on um, at uh, – I just Googled you, Ian. The reason I am talking all over myself is I just came your um, – you're listed under guides. <laughs> I just Googled your name, and there you are, um, uh, contact guide and uh, on the website. Very cool. Um, mm -hmm. I, yeah, so, guys, if you're in, in that neighborhood, if you're touring, uh, going on vacation, uh, check out Ian and – Go on one of his tours. These look amazing. All right. Let me resettle. I'll probably edit that out. Uh, I can be reached at setlessingbruce at gmail.com. I can be found on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is on Twitter at setlessingbruce. Um, we always appreciate everyone listening, downloading. Um, if you can go to iTunes 
to rate and review us, it would be very much appreciated. Sooner or later, I'm going to get, right now, I'm about 57 rates. I'm, I'm shooting to get up to over 60. So let's see what we can do. Um, Ian, you were the best. Thank you so much. We're going to end with, and I'm driving a stolen car on a pitch black night, and I'm telling myself it's going to be all right. But I ride by night, and I travel in fear. In this darkness, I will disappear. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Ian. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. You just heard the fun-talking, hard-rocking, music-loving, album-ranking, fan-thinking, joy-spreading, lyric-reading, story-sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listening Bruce. Set Listening Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Listening Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.